Hey, y'all heard listeners. One of our Rider Die Michaels recently wrote and published a manga comic with Lucha Comics, and it's called Bite Mark. They have a Kickstarter running right now where they are trying to collect funds to make it a print comic in addition to a digital comic. So if you have a few bucks in your pocket or you want to like take all your change to the bank and turn it into cash and then do something with that cash, you can head to bitemarkmanga.com. That's B-I-T-E-M-A-R-K-M-A-N-G-A.com and support one of our supporters, which will make you feel supportive. And then you can go play some sports. Get it? And do it by July 1st, because that's when the campaign ends. Y'all heard? Shall I count us down? Ready ready to go. Okay, one, two, three. Hey, Hey, everybody. everybody. This is Y'all Heard. heard. A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. Are not related. And this is a podcast where two ding-dongs throw out some zingers and teach you Twinkies about what kind of ho-hos are happening in the world around you. Ooh, you got like that, honey that. bun? <laughs> you wrote that one, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Moves you like AI. Please write me a show opening <laughs> only with references to Snack Cake. <laughs> I did have to look up some names, though. I do want to let you know. Oh, in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Like how yesterday... Before going to bed, I turn to Aaron and I go, you remember munchkins? And then we just talked about munchkins for like 45 <laughs> minutes and all the different flavors and how much you want to eat them. And what ver- and if we could only eat three munchkins, what munchkins we would eat. <laughs> oh, I've never felt so alive. <laughs> how are you? So, yeah, how are you? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I felt alive. Um, also yesterday, yeah, I became a child yesterday. Yesterday, he was like, hey, how long is it going to take for me to run to the from the mailbox back to our back <laughs> to our driveway? And we, we both kept doing that. And I was like, man, if people look out the window, we look like a bunch of fucks. <laughs> no wonder no one in this place likes us. They all, like, have kids and shit. And we just, I don't know. Yeah. We just are a waste of space. I'm sorry to tell you, yeah, even though we are recording a little earlier in the week, um, we haven't heard from anybody about your wreath, uh, so... Yeah, fuck all of you. <laughs> anyway, my wreath is almost done, and I'm just going to write whatever I want, because fuck all of you. And, I thought um, that Creep It Real works. Oh, I like that. I like that. You might have mentioned that, but I forgot that you mentioned that. And it's I the think most like sort of, like, like, you do see it sometimes on Halloween decorations, Mm-hmm. But I feel like it could be used year-round. Yeah, I actually really like that. Also, the um, sword. the inspection where they could fine us for having out-of-date decor has passed, so I think now is the time. Man, if they did that in my building, there's a person down the hall who has a Christmas tree up on their door all year-round. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there is someone with a Christmas wreath. I wonder if they got fined. What the fuck, man? I don't even. This place, guys. Who am I talking to? My, does do I think the management listens? Guys, I live on the outskirts of Harrisburg, in an isolated community that no one would go by, would like venture into by chance. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, I mean, God. like if you had big ass Christmas decorations in your yard, that would be one thing. But yeah. A wreath on the door is very quiet. Oh, so guys, it's not like we live in Celebration, Florida. Is that what that place is called? Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, that's the (laughs) town that's like right outside of Disney World that has really, really strict rules. Oh. Do you you not know about this? Is that going to have to be my next episode? Okay, I guess it's going to be my next episode. In my mind, I already did an episode on this, but maybe not. Okay. Uh, How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh... Everybody listening, big announcement mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. There is now on Roku devices a WNBA League Pass app. Mm. So I've been getting to watch a bunch of basketball. Um, going off of the results of the poll on Patreon, which were very, it was very inconclusive. Um, I have been watching all the teams that people ask for, 
but I've been rooting for the Indiana Fever okay. and the Dallas Wings more. I do like the name Dallas Wings. It's mm-hmm. a classy-sounding, cute name. Yeah, ever since... So what happened on that team is they cut the player that I was interested in seeing play because she was on a bunch of teams in the past and people kept trading her and cutting her and she kept getting injured. So now she's back and she's playing, but it's kind of temporary because there's two people that are hurt. So they were able to bring somebody in to help out. Poor her. Just got no fucking home. Yeah. But it was weird. They were like, we have two injured guards, so we need to drop a center. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, I don't even know. What exactly. Exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> and on the Indiana Fever, I have been enjoying rookie Grace Berger, but also that they have a player whose first name is Queen. <laughs> mm, okay. What's her last name? Eggbo. Queen Eggbo? Yep. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. Otherwise, I spent a, a stupid amount of time on um, the La Brea Purvea episode that's coming I'm up. I'm happy for you. <laughs> uh, I will tune in. I promise. Yeah, it should be. Well, listeners, uh, we're not going to be doing a show next week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cross post the next episode of the Liberia Purveo, which is going to feature an original screenplay by me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I will definitely listen. Read by robots. And then <laughs> a short Q&A after. <laughs> what? With the robots or with you? Well, I'm answering the questions. Oh, okay. The robots asking the questions. Um, um, so uh, stay oh, tuned for that next week in the feed. doing anything cool next week or is it not... Is it a personal thing? Oh, I'm um, going back to New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, the lawn needs mowing at mom's, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of where I'm going, Marissa. Yeah? For today's icebreaker, I wanted to ask you. um, I feel like I may have asked you this before, but. Wait, I'm sorry. Can I interject? This yes. is only slightly related to your mom, but I feel like I do need to make the net announcement. Guys, I've been open about getting off my mental health meds on the episode. I want to let you know that I didn't get off because I'm trying to get pregnant. <laughs> I did not get off them because I'm trying to get pregnant. Everyone is thinking that <laughs> in the back of their minds. That's all. Okay, sorry, continue. Marissa's trying to get clean. <laughs> I'm not having a baby, and no one's even allowed to mention babies to me for at least 365 days. If the baby doesn't come out with the proportions of a Monster High doll, what's the point? Truth. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, I'm sorry. How am I going to address this fat little thing? (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't want to get too deep into the episode and not know where I could interject that, so I'm just going to interject that (laughs) in a weird place. Let's get... Okay, speaking of what? Icebreaker. Oh, speaking of locations, um, the Hollywood Reporter shared today that there is a new Law and Order on the way. Oh, this one is Law and Order Toronto: colon, Criminal Intent. Okay. So my question, Marissa, is where would you set a Law and Order if you could? Mm. And asterisk. It doesn't have to be a real place. <laughs> it doesn't have to be on this earth. <laughs> uh, do you have an answer? I feel like... Uh, I mean, I would want it to be like a small... Like, I would want it to be... Not necessarily Scranton, Pennsylvania, but to be what the office did for Scranton, Pennsylvania. Mm, okay, okay. I because I, I want to sort of see some of the buffoonery in Law and Order, um, people making mistakes and people trying to like you know bounce back from them and recover. You know, yeah. Uh, people getting arrested for being drunk and 
let out and then the next day getting arrested for being drunk again. So I guess what I'm saying is Wilkesbury. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, this is a slight tangent, but Pete, did you see that whole, I don't know, some fucking thing that AI made, someone had like made with AI of Lord of the Rings if it was directed by Wes Anderson? No. People said it was great. I thought it looked horrible. That said, it did make me realize I'm by no means a Lord of the Rings head. But I do remember liking the movies, and I do like fantasy things sometimes. So I want Lord of the Rings wherever the fuck that happens. Okay. Like, where? No, I don't even know. What is those places? Did you watch any of those? Aragon. No, that's a person from another movie. Lord of the Rings, like... Asgard. Middle Earth. Middle Earth. Middle Earth. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some shit like that. Somewhere fantastical. Somewhere, I want to see, like... Like, fucking fairies being charged for crimes. Drunk and, like, and disorderly. Yeah, shit like that. I don't want to say, like, dumb shit. <laughs> but, like, but I don't want it to be, like, a comedy. But, mm. yeah. So, yeah, some some shit like that, maybe. My guess for you was going to be Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that sounds even better. Can I change my answer? <laughs> I mean, hey, it's all a conversation. Nobody's going to... We're not keeping score of what you picked. <laughs> hey, debatable, but... Yeah, that was a fun question. That was a question I wish you would have told me earlier so I could think about it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have a little bit of time for the duration of this episode, although there are a couple of points, Marissa, where I'm going to need you to help me out. Okay. The first would be here. Um, Marissa... What do you know about D.B. Cooper? Oh, that name sounds so familiar. Okay. Well, it could come to you as I talk about it if you want. But feel free to interject anything you want to add. Um, oh, wait. Is that a guy who did something weird and no one still... People still don't even know who he is or something? Yeah, yeah. The... Um, he, he did something weird or something. Right, exactly. And and you're not wrong. <laughs> Basically, uh, there's a couple of things. If you printed the Wikipedia article on D.B. Cooper, you would have 27 pages of information. Mm-hmm. 29 additional pages would be citations and footnotes. <laughs> okay. Basically, it's a pretty popular unsolved case. Mm-hmm. People love mystery. And I think they also love the gutsiness of a guy who successfully hijacked a plane, got paid, escaped, and didn't hurt anybody. It would be a hero's tale if we knew more about the protagonist, but the identity of Dan D.B. Cooper has eluded everyone for 50 years. But now everyone knows? No. Oh. oh I mean, we're going to get to that, but okay. first, which isn't really first, but... That was the transitional word I used. Uh, I need to get one thing out of the way. I am Mm -hmm. not talking about D.B. Sweeney, the actor known for The Cutting Edge, (laughs) Fire in the Sky, and for me personally, the 1995 Fox series Strange Luck, where he played a man who was, quote, the victim of both good and bad coincidences. Did anyone watch that besides you? I've never heard of that in my life. So, (laughs) if I say D.B. Sweeney... Know that I'm not trying to pull one over on you. Know that you got confused? Is that if I was saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> and most definitely, by putting that up front, I will do it. <laughs> yep, I bet you will. Now, D.B. Almost did it. D.B. Oh, Cooper wow. um, is an accidental name that a reporter gave to the man. Okay. It, he actually was officially known on his ticket as Dan Cooper. So Dan Cooper was a nondescript white guy who hopped on a plane. He did everything above board. He paid for his ticket. He waited in line. He did all that stuff. And Uh Wikipedia summarizes the rest as, as follows. During the flight from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington, the hijacker took uh, told a flight attendant that he was armed with a bomb. He demanded $200,000 in ransom, which is equivalent to $1.4 million in 2022. Wait, who does he think has that money? The flight attendant? Um, the um, 
airline, actually. Oh, yeah. okay. And he requested four parachutes upon landing in Seattle. After releasing the passengers in Seattle, the hijacker instructed the flight crew to refuel the aircraft and begin a flight to Mexico City with a refueling stop in Reno, Nevada. About 30 minutes after taking off from Seattle, the hijacker opened the aircraft's back door, deployed the staircase, and parachuted into the night over southwestern Washington. Wow. The hijacker has never been found or conclusively identified. Because he probably died. (laughs) That's a very popular theory, Marissa. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's what all things point to immediately, but sure. And I feel like, like many people, the first time I heard this, I was like, ooh, that's fascinating and interesting. I want to know more about that. And I think what is so interesting about it as a case is that people choose to fixate on so many different things, like thinking that's going to be the key of mm-hmm. of what happened or it's going to solve the mystery or whatever. So like you said, Marissa, many people try to find his dead body uh, in an estimated area where he may have landed. Mm-hmm. After... The incident, the FBI was searching in a particular area that actually wasn't where they flew. Like, the the guy who was reporting the flight path, he was, like, a little off because Cooper requested that the plane fly at a certain altitude. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, they couldn't use autopilot. So the, the pilot was actually manually driving the plane, which created a little bit of confusion about, you know, specifically, like, what direction they were going in. Yeah, there are tools for that, but yeah, I don't okay. know. <laughs> so it's widely thought that the way that he jumped, which was at night, in the rain, and it was 15 degrees outside, that he was grossly underprepared and probably died shortly after landing, if he landed at all. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean if he landed alive at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In certain situations, a body could lose all flesh and tissue in as little as one week. And then there's just bones. (laughs) And bones also do decay, even though sometimes we don't think they do. Sometimes human bones are found underground and everything, but a lot of times that's because the circumstances make it so that the bones would be preserved. Whether it be. bones don't decay? Don't speak for me. No, I won't. Some dumb son of a bitch out there. (laughs) Um, You know, like in certain soil, in certain temperatures, climates, preservations, all that sort of stuff. um, You can have bones decay slower, Mm -hmm. which is why you can have a mummy, you know, that has some bones in there. Um, But you could also just leave someone out in nature and they could be all gone in a decade. Yeah, okay. So, this incident took place 51 years ago. If he died, his remains could well be gone. Yeah. Which is ironic, because they would be called his remains. Mmm, true. (laughs) But, anyway, many people try to focus on the money, because they asked for this money, or he asked for this money, and they were very specific about how they gave it to him. They wrote down the serial number of every single bill that they gave him. And then in the newspaper, they actually published every single serial number that they gave him so that if one of the bills ended up in circulation, they would theoretically be able to track it back to who spent it, and that could be the person who, you know, conducted this whole thing. Okay, that's interesting. Nobody ever found the money. Okay. In 1980 which was nine years after the incident itself, an eight-year-old boy found one pack of deteriorating bills on the shore of the Columbia River near Portland. And it turned out to be, again, if they were preserved, uh, $5,800 of the $200,000 that Cooper got on the flight. Ooh, okay. The boy and his family had to let the FBI keep 13 bills. He had to give some to the insurance company that paid for the ransom. And he got to keep the rest. He went on to sell them at auction and pulled in $37,000. Oh, wow. Okay. For half-deteriorated $20 bills. (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay. Not too shabby, but considering that in 1973, the Oregon Journal... Oregon? 
journal. Either one. <laughs> published the serial numbers and offered $1,000 to the first person to turn in a ransomed bill to the newspaper or any FBI field office. In Seattle, the Post-Intelligencer, which is an odd name, but um, made a similar offer, but they had a $5,000 reward. Okay. So there were several near matches, but nobody actually found a genuine bill. Ever. Except for this except for this eight year old kid. Yeah. Huh. Some people also fixate on the forensics of the case. There were hair samples in the seat that he sat in. There were cigarette butts in because you could smoke on planes. There were cigarette butts yeah. in the little ashtray in the armrest. There was DNA from a tie that he left behind. Uh, which was a clip-on tie, by the way, if that tells you anything suspicious about the case. Ooh. He was an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was also uh, questions about the parachutes that he used. There um, was also conjecture, I suppose, about how the money could float down the river and land where the boy found the money, for example. Okay. By late 2007, the FBI had built a partial DNA profile from samples found on Cooper's tie in 2001. So that's six years. <laughs> FBI spent resources building a partial DNA profile of a mysterious man who jumped out of a plane. However, the FBI also acknowledged in their announcement that no evidence linked Cooper to the sources of the DNA samples. <laughs> Meaning, they weren't sure if that was his tie. And what the fuck? <laughs> so, um... That sounds like time and money well spent, if you ask me. Yeah. FBI Special Agent Fred Gutt said That's the tie... <laughs> the tie had two small DNA samples and one large sample. It's difficult to draw firm conclusions from these samples. Okay. So there's not really a lot to go on forensics. He also did leave fingerprints behind, but it's a plane with that had 43 pass well 43 total people besides him on it. Mm. Um, I think 30 some of them were passengers that were let go um, in Seattle. Okay. Where where the plane stopped? <laughs> he didn't just like push them out over. Seattle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are also the people of the story, right? Everybody loves people. People are always interesting. <laughs> That's debatable if they're always interesting, but continue. <laughs> Florence Schaffner was the first flight attendant who Cooper interacted with uh, when he told her his demands and showed off the bomb that he had in his briefcase. But Tina Mucklau was the attendant who sat with him for most of the flight, and she was acting as a go-between uh, with the cockpit and... Cooper himself. Oof, lucky her. So what happens is, he tells them his demands, and one of them is, we're going to land in Seattle, you're going to refuel the plane, you're going to get me the get me the money and these parachutes, and then we're going to go back up and go to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. When Cooper let the passengers out in Seattle, in an attempt to break the tension, and while Cooper was counting the money to make sure it was all there... Yeah. This flight attendant, Tina Mucklau, jokingly asked Cooper if she could have some of the money. Oh, don't tell me he gave her some. Cooper readily agreed and handed what? her a packet of bills, but she yeah. immediately but she immediately returned the money and explained that accepting gratuities was against company policy. What the fuck? You're definitely in an exceptional situation here, ma'am. Oh my god. What a what a try hard. <laughs> she said that Cooper had tried to tip her and the other two flight attendants earlier in the flight with money from his own pocket. Hey, at least he's at least he's courteous. Right. But they had each declined citing the company policy. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. Why are flight attendants not allowed to take tips, guys? It's true. I mean, Any, everyone else gets tips. It would be nice if you could buy the preference from the flight attendant rather than just deal with, you know, wherever you land on their scale for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're an uggo, you might be able to throw some money her way. <laughs> his, yeah. His or her way. <laughs> yes. Good job. Florence Schaffner, uh, while this was happening, she was like, hey, um, my purse is in a storage compartment that's right above 
behind your seat. Is it okay if I get that? And Cooper's like, yeah, I won't bite you. Ew. And flight attendant Alice Hancock then asked Cooper if the flight attendants could leave in Seattle with everybody else. To which Cooper replied, whatever you girls would like. What the fuck is happening? So he had a bomb, but he's like chill as fuck. So Hancock and Schaffner left the plane, but Mucklau uh, brought the final parachute to Cooper. Uh, she gave him printed instructions on how to use the parachute, but Cooper said that he didn't need them. Why was she being so accommodating? For all intents and purposes, he seemed like quite a friendly and chill guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does sound that way. It's just kind of funny. There's also Captain William A. Scott, who directed Mucklaw. Oh, no. He directed Schaffner to remain in the cockpit for the remainder of the flight and take notes as the situation unfolded so that they all had, you know, something to rely on as in terms of what happened. Yeah. After he got the demands, he contacted Northwest Flight Operations in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and he relayed the hijacker's demands. Quote, the hijacker, requests $200,000 in a knapsack by 5 p.m. He wants two front parachutes, two back parachutes. He wants the money in negotiable American currency. What does negotiable American currency mean? A lot of people latch on to that phrase as well. Do you know what that means? It means cash. Oh, but what, why is it mean? What's negotiable? I think because of... Um, if you don't know, it's fine. I can't think of the words. I'm, I'm turning into a news anchor. Like, <laughs> if words are not written in front of me, they're never going to come to me. <laughs> okay it's okay i think because of exchange rates with other countries i think that's the best i can guess got it okay but some people do latch on to that phrase they're like why would an american guy ask for negotiable american currency Mm -hmm. but i don't know that cooper necessarily said negotiable american currency i know that the captain did okay but the captain he had uh, international military experience uh, across, you know, throughout the world. So maybe he said that, and people again are latching onto that phrase, thinking that that would be, you know, yeah, an indicator gotcha. of whatever or whoever he is. Yeah. Okay. So Wikipedia lists sixteen. This is just in the Wikipedia article, and you know, crazy people come up with a lot more than this. Wikipedia lists sixteen people as possible suspects in the case. But okay. all these years later, the mystery remains unsolved. Until now. Like, you're going to break news on this podcast? Yes. Okay. Dan Cooper was a reptilian alien. Oh, fuck yeah. Marissa, what do you want to tell us about the reptilians? <laughs> reptilians are um, a kind of alien that is most likely already on this earth. Uh, they are a shape-shifting type of alien, and many prominent um, political figures are most likely reptilians, <laughs> and reptilians are what they sound like. Uh, these aliens, their true form is that of a sort of humanoid reptile. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the contemporary reptilian conspiracy theory is based straight up on absolute unapologetic racism. Mm-hmm. NBC News capsulizes it pretty well. David Icke would have you believe that a race of reptilian beings not only invaded Earth, but that it also created a genetically modified lizard-human hybrid race called the Babylonian Brotherhood, which... <laughs> I don't know what that is. ...which, he maintains, is busy plotting a worldwide fascist state. The sinister cabal of global reptilian elites boasts a membership list including former President Barack Obama, Queen oh, yeah. Elizabeth II... Oh, yeah, I didn't II, want to say the actual people because it sounded <laughs> really bad. Queen Elizabeth II... Uh, former Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan, and for some reason, Mick Jagger. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. This nonsense, uh, I'm, I'm quoting NBC guy. Yeah, they <laughs> Don't pick. come at me. <laughs> Don't pick a side. This nonsense is espoused by a variety of internet conspiracy mongers, including far-right, Trump-loving QAnon adherents, one of whom was accused in 2019 of murdering his own brother because he thought that he was a lizard. 
Valid. As many, as many as 12 million Americans believe in the lizard people conspiracy in a 2013 public policy polling survey. It's not that I believe in it. It's that I don't not believe in it. <laughs> Kidding. I sort of. The outlandish trope has roots in the second half of the 19th century, 19th century when the Industrial Revolution, Darwin's theory of evolution, and rapid scientific advances upended the time-honored traditional ways of life, leaving people unsettled and unsure what to believe. Sound familiar, anybody? <laughs> it emerged more strongly toward the end of the century when anxieties about perceived outsiders, especially Jewish ones, were fueled yeah. by waves of immigrants flooding urban centers in Great Britain and the United States in search of economic prosperity and religious freedom. Now, yeah. I think I can speak for Marissa. I don't subscribe to those beliefs. Yeah. I don't think yes. any of our listeners would either. I hope not. <laughs> but does that mean that reptilian aliens don't exist? No. <laughs> that would be like saying apple cheese exists, but American so American cheese can't exist. You know what I mean? Say apple cheese? Yeah, like apple cheese doesn't exist. The fuck is apple cheese? <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? It's made up. <laughs> okay. That's too close to a thing that could be real. <laughs> Marissa's going to go slice some apples so thin and be like, it's kind of like cheese. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to Google apple cheese. Continue talking. Not every alien comes to Earth to take it over from the inside, Marissa. I'm sorry. Apple cheese is a Lithuanian dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I continue. Would you agree with that? Not every uh, alien sorry. comes to Earth to take it over? Um. Yeah, possibly. I, like... I realize where my source is on this, but it's a very respected belief, I think. Mm -hmm. In Star Trek, oh. the Prime Directive prohibits Starfleet personnel and spacecraft from interfering in the normal development of any society and mandates that any Starfleet vessel or crew member is expendable to prevent violation of this rule. Meaning... You're not supposed to mess with the like the culture and the people that you're interacting with. Like you're there for research purposes, not to influence the shape of culture and how things are going. Yeah, yeah. Okay. To be fair, that's that the opposite of the prime directive is the driving plot of most Star Trek episodes. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's their goal to not mess with things. Mhm. Mm so, as an extraterrestrial, Dan Cooper experienced a little bit of life on Earth. His directive, I would think, would be research and possibly to bring back things of value. And 200,000 of those things would be all the better. <laughs> okay. Moreover, Coop was cool as a cucumber during the whole entire incident. I'm sorry, you're calling him Coop now? Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Not Sweeney. <laughs> Okay. He may have gotten a little impatient when they were delaying during refueling, but for the most part, he was downright cordial to everyone that he talked to. Yeah, he does sound pretty cool. And, of course, most of the money wasn't found. Okay. That's because it's in space. <laughs> the FBI had a hard time searching the drop zone. You think mm -hmm. they stand a chance in space? Oh, yeah, that's very true. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what about that money that the eight-year-old kid found? 5800 bucks, right? Well, yeah. he offered the money as a gratuity to the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, to the flight attendants. Yeah. And maybe that was just like in his hand or in his pocket when he ended up flying out of the plane, you know? Got it. Yeah. I know it's a bit of a jump, like a bit of a trip to kind of get to the reptilian man was holding $5,800 in his hand and just dropped it when he was flying out of a plane. No, no, no. Not a jump. <laughs> and also, you can't find his body. Do you know why you can't find his body? Because it's in space. With the money, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. Marissa, you made us... You had a bit of a reaction. But... So I know that you will remember when Cooper said uh, to... When he told the flight attendant that he wouldn't bite her... Yeah. Lizards don't bite people unless they feel threatened. Mm, all and lizards? in this case, 
he was in control of the whole entire situation. That's very true. Okay. And then... I guess you're right. The last thing I'll throw at you is, just look at this sketch. Okay. Oh, he looks like a reptilian. (laughs) So much. (laughs) He, yeah, he looks like... He looks like what another being trying to be a human would look like. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, no questions asked. Now, this is composite sketch A. Okay. And when people saw this, they were like, oh, they're making him look way too young in this picture. Wait, how old is he supposed to be? He's supposed to be in his 40s. How what? How young do they think he looks? He looks like he's in his forties, if not fifties. Some people jokingly call this the Bing Crosby composite because they how think he looks Bing like Crosby? I don't know. I don't know how well, old he I was in the seventies. Yeah. What, what year did this happen? Seventy one. Yeah, I guess this does look like a seventy one twenty, like a twenty year old at seventy one, because everyone before the everyone before the 90s looked like they were 40 by the time they were 18. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay. Uh, they went on to modify it because people were like, that doesn't look like the guy I saw because this guy looks too young. Um, but how would you describe his expression? Uh, fairly neutral. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So they updated the picture. Let's see if I can do this right for you. To be this picture. Why did they update it? Because people said that the first one looked too um, young and friendly. (laughs) Oh, I don't think I'd go as far as say friendly. I would say completely neutral. Yeah. So then they made this second one that looks like a Dick Tracy villain. Yeah, he does. He does. He looks he looks aggressively (laughs) not friendly. And then people went on to say, no, 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 that one looks too unfriendly. (laughs) What the fuck? He was so sweet the whole time. You guys got to take a third swing at this. And when they did, they settled on this one, which looks just like the second one. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, it looks like the second one in a different color, like with a filter on it. Yeah. Yeah, with it a looks sepia like, toe. Right, with an Instagram filter on it. Yeah, that's really <laughs> stupid, and I hate it. But I don't know about you. I am committed to the first sketch. Uh, you know, like it's the freshest. It's it's the freshest on everybody's mind. And it looks like someone from the 70s. It actually looks like someone from the 50s. Yeah. And if you and think it looks, about it, yeah. he would have been... He would have had like some pretty formative years in the 50s. Yeah, so I think the first one's... Right. Yeah. There he is. Are you listening to this podcast and you saw D.B. Cooper? Call us at 570-POD-WOD-1. Please do. Mm. If you saw him unzip his skin, (laughs) (laughs) immediately call us. Ew. So you have any thoughts, Marissa, about Um, this situation, about... I would have to say 100% he's a reptilian. I don't know why no one's thought of this. I've scoured the internet and not a single person has hypothesized that D.B. Cooper was an extraterrestrial. (laughs) Are you sure you're looking at the right places on the internet? I'm only looking at the light internet, I suppose we could say. (laughs) You're digging deep on Reddit and 4chan? Um, No, no, not on 4chan. I did include Reddit. um, And yeah, I did not dig into the dark web mm, yeah I, I still don't even know how to go to the dark oh my mother said something about the dark web the other day and i couldn't believe she knew what the dark web was also it was really funny i wish i could remember what she said <laughs> anyway um yeah i would say you sold me i have no other no other hypothesis i thought he died but by the end of this you convinced me he is a reptilian in space yeah if they found a body i would agree with you yeah. They did end up finding a body, but it was just a, another person completely who went out into the woods and killed themselves. How, like, they knew it was suicide? How do they know? Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is whenever I think of the Pacific Northwest, I always think of, like, big trees and, like, you know, a landscape that looks very threatening. Yeah. 
one FBI agent was like, he landed, if he landed where they say he landed, it was flat terrain. Mm-hmm. This, and again, it's only one, but this one FBI agent was like, I think he slept in his own bed that night. I think he landed on the ground, walked his ass home, went to bed. <laughs> but is- why would you steal all that money and not spend any of it? Unless you were a reptilian alien. Yeah, that is really true. Or unless you just do it for the thrill. To say you can. Mm-hmm. Maybe he actually didn't want the money. He just wanted to see what he could get away with. And boy, did he get away. He did. And and um, inspired many others to do the same thing. <laughs> Wait, but no one else successfully pulled this off, did they? Mm. Am I stupid? Are there a whole bunch of people who get money out of planes and I've never heard of it? No. Th- he inspired many people to um, do the same thing, basically. What do you mean? <laughs> and some of them, I'm going to say, were quote-unquote successful, but nobody was totally successful because they all ended up getting caught. Like, for example, Frederick Han... Frederick Han... What? Frederick Hahnemann... <laughs> I got it right right eventually. Okay. Uh, Used a gun to hijack Eastern Airlines 272 in Allentown, Pennsylvania on May 7th in, right, in 71, I think. Ew, gross. It was like very soon after. Oh, 72, 1972. At least give it space to breathe, (laughs) you losers. He eventually parachuted into his native Honduras. A month later, with the FBI in pursuit and a $25,000 bounty on his head, he surrendered to the American embassy. Okay, good. So there were one, two, three, four, five, at least five people who did the same thing the next year. (laughs) That sounds stupid. Which is why um, they check your bags, um, not still check your bags. I mean, there's been a lot more (laughs) reasons, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they made a lot of changes to airline security uh, after this particular case. Not necessarily this specific case, but because people repeated it, <laughs> they yeah. were like, okay, I guess I guess we have to accommodate <laughs> so that we don't get hijacked every time we're on a freaking flight. <laughs> also, guys, the reason T.B. Cooper got away with this is because he was so charming. Was that mm. Honduran man charming? Maybe. I mean, it sounds like he... like. Cooper had a had a bomb in a in a briefcase. He didn't like, and again, no one's actually sure if it was a bomb. When they asked the the only f- person who saw it was the first flight attendant, and when they asked her what was in the suitcase, she was like, "I mean, some red cylinders, which I assume was dynamite. There was about eight or nine of them, <laughs> and there was some wires next to it." <laughs> So, okay, so no one even knows. Okay. Well. In 1980, Glenn K. Tripp seized Northwest Orient Flight 608, demanding $600,000, two parachutes, and the assassination of his boss. Oh, God. Okay. Guy, guy, that's too much. A quick thinking flight attendant drugged Tripp's alcoholic drink with Valium. <laughs> and what? after a 10 hour standoff, um, he reduced his demands to three cheeseburgers. What? <laughs> and a ground vehicle where he could escape, and it didn't reason, work at all. <laughs> his idiocy is so bad that it's actually making me angry. Yeah. Oh, God. When his plane landed in Portland, he was shot and killed by FBI agents. <laughs> what a dumb fuck. At least Wait. let him have the burger. <laughs> Why was he shot and killed immediately? Um, Probably for trying to elude the authorities, you know. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Oh. Um, it says, uh, I apologize to keep going, or I apologize for keeping <laughs> this going, but... um. Despite the initiation of the Federal Sky Marshal Program in the previous year, which would be 71, mm-hmm. 31 hijackings were committed in U.S. airspace in 1972. God, that's so scary. 19 of them were for the specific purpose of extorting money, and 15 of the extorted extorted extortications. 15 of the extortion cases, the hijackers also demanded parachutes. 
So I think, you know, people were kind of like, hey, if it worked for him, it can work for me. And you know what? The message of y'all heard is don't stop dreaming, guys. Yeah. <laughs> believe in yourself <laughs> and oh, believe God. and believe in aliens like D.B. Cooper. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Come on, guys. Get creative. D.B. Cooper probably put so much effort into this and he pulled it off. Don't just fucking be a copycat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when the don't... Matrix came out and everybody was like, oh my gosh, these people put so much thought and creativity into these cool camera shots in this meta storyline. Uh, and then they were like, yeah, here's three more films just like that. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 yeah, don't stop believing, believe in yourself, but be creative. That's my add on to Pete's message. Hi, hi, hi. Am so, I right? In conclusion, Come at me. 570-POD-WAD-1 is our phone number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you think D.B. Cooper is an alien, but perhaps not a reptilian, maybe a gray or a tall white, you can give us a call as well. Mm-hmm. Or email us at shout at yallheard.me. Is that right? Yes. How tall is a tall white? Let me Google that. He was... No. Wait, what's the other thing they're called? Because I feel like if I Google a tall Nordic. white. A Nordic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, D.B. Cooper was clocked at 5'10 to 6 foot. Ooh, it could be... Wait, a Pleiadians? They're also called Pleiadians? Uh, they could be between 6 to 14 feet. <laughs> <laughs> so he hits the minimum. <laughs> yeah, okay. So maybe he was, yeah, a, sh- a short, tall white. <laughs> A short, tall, white king. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Plugs. Marissa. Yep. You have anything you want to promote? Anything you want to? How's how's the candle business? Or, I'm sorry. How's the pumpkin business? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, don't. It still exists, but I was gonna put. I'm still just trying to put my effort into. Um, oh, getting married. <laughs> no, not that. Um, <laughs> I want to take pictures all over again of everything mm-hmm. and focus on my in-person events. So I'm not pushing online. I, I I did not put enough thought how to keep the momentum going. So I'm taking a step back. Also, don't get married. Nope, nope. Didn't mean that. Don't have a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah. put up some patriotic pumpkins for the 4th of July. I am never going to follow everyone. Every, I'm never going to follow anyone's tips again they were like oh you should do it for every holiday so i made a valentine's day ones and no one bought them so nope <laughs> uh, so think yeah, about it pumpkin. an american pumpkin yeah. you could start hitting the wrong audience i <laughs> no <laughs> so yeah 31 pumpkin lane still exists but i am not actively working pride pumpkins no it's too late now by the time i make them pride will be over i will say I have started a new technique, and my new pumpkins are better than my old pumpkin. Whoa. But, uh, You're that yeah. suckers who bought original ones? No, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, oh, I know what to, oh, I do know what to plug. Oh, but, oh, what is the link? Uh, our, our, our loyal patron, Mike yes. Simpson, the Kickstarter for his comic book is now out. Okay, so if you would like to support, or at least Take a look at the comic book that one of our loyal patrons has created, which, by the way, it's it's a manga. So it has kind of like a more Japanese style of art, um, uniquely featuring two women of color at the lead, which you don't find in a lot of mangas. And it is a horror manga about basically about two women stuck in a dead end corporate life and somehow... I always say werewolves are involved and might give them an opportunity to rain retribution upon the people who have brought them down. It's a very good comic and I've read it already. So I'm not just like, just like promoting it just because he supports us. Um, if you would like to support it because all, I don't. She has this all written down in the script that Michael gave her. No, I'm winging it. I'm so sorry. So Michael, if I'm not, if I'm not doing my best job, I, I'm sorry. I'm winging it. But you can um, go to bitemarkmanga.com. Oh, really? Wow. Good job. <laughs> I was going to say just Google bite mock. What? Nope. Pete just killed me. Just take me out bite of the Bite mock bomb. 
<laughs> I was going to say the Google Bite Mark comic Kickstarter, but Peter's right. Can you repeat it? BiteMarkManga.com. Very good. So, yeah, even if you're like, I don't like, I'm not going to support a Kickstarter for someone I don't know. If you go there, you can see a preview of the comic to see if it's something that you're interested in. And if you want to know what the money's going towards, basically, it's for the physical printing. So if he doesn't, if this Kickstarter doesn't reach its goal, there will only be a digital copy available. Guys, digital comics are not as good as physical. Let's make this happen, okay? I want paper in my hands. <laughs> so yeah, that is that is my plug. Uh, Bite Mark. It is an awesome manga comic, I will say, by Michael, written by Michael Stinson. Okay, Pete. I so. This past weekend, I watched a show. Mm-hmm. I watched the whole show. Mm-hmm. It's uh, what is it? A Paramount Plus original. It's okay. called Joe Pickett. Okay. And it's about a game warden and his family, and they live in Wyoming. And it's kind of like a crime thriller. And I didn't think I liked Western TV shows, but I did, I like this one. Really fascinating. Okay. It stars Michael Dorman, who I really liked in Amazon's series Patriot. Okay. Oh, is it what? Is that that one about the superhero dude? No. Oh, I don't know what horrible thing with Michael Cena. I was thinking of. So, if you're interested in that, certainly check it out. If you're like, no, I don't feel like paying for anything, and I don't have Amazon Prime, then you can always stay tuned for next week when you get to hear my um, like 25 minute sitcom based I on can't wait. based on the La Brea universe. <laughs> oh, by the way, when you said uh, Patriot, I thought you meant Peacemaker. <laughs> oh, right, right. And what's what did you call him? You didn't what? call him John Cena. You called him like <laughs> Michael Cena. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 80. Whatever. So I know you're probably like, man, these guys are taking a lot of time off in the summer. Uh, Usually we do once a month in the summer. Um, But if you're listening to the way that we're communicating right now, you should be happy that we're taking a bit of a break because otherwise we would be putting out very incoherent episodes. And you're like, wow, more incoherent? I know. I hear all you guys. (laughs) Um, Also... Did we always have one four-star review? Did you notice that before? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I wonder who gave us that. Just don't leave us a review if you don't like it, bro. Well, they like it. They just don't love it. Or tell us why. No, don't tell us why. Nope, nope, I take it back. I don't (laughs) want to know why you don't like our podcast. I'm sure it has to do with me. So, anyway. We're still hanging in at 4.8 ratings on... Apple Podcasts. For my wedding gift, can you give us a five-star rating, please? Sure. I didn't mean you, Pete. <laughs> that wasn't me. I didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, guys, that, that's what you'll give me, please. Um, yeah, guys, thank you for listening, as always. Mm-hmm. We said it already, but I'll say it again. Call us at 570-POD-WOD-1 or email us at... Shout at yallheard.me. You can also you- sign up for our Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com um, slash y'all heard. And you can sign into my DMs at Risk Vandal anytime. Uh, stay safe out there and be sassy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi. Hi.